You are listening to a message from ICS Church. For more information about ICS Church, please visit us online at ics.church or like us on facebook.com slash ICSChurch. If you're here, you're visiting, and it's your first time, my name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here at ICS Church. Always, always a joy for us to have you together with us, whether you're here in person or online. This past week was a highlight, especially for our youth pastor and our kids pastor, who are not here. They're not here because they're in their honeymoon. So make sure that you greet them when they return next Week. They were married this past Monday, and we get to celebrate uh, their union together. How many of you remember when you were small and you were doing things that you weren't supposed to do? I'm the only bad person in the room. Right? Do you remember? I mean, we get to all kinds of mischief when we are small. And I remember when I was about between the ages of five to seven we were living near a Bible college, and there's a cafeteria, there's a canteen, there's a shop right in the middle of campus. And as a, as a five-year-old, as, you know, as a little kid, there are days when you just want to eat nothing but junk food. And I had one peso. Do you remember those days when you can buy junk food for one peso? I had one peso. It was the big one peso. It's bigger than the 20 pesos that they have right now. That was pretty big. That was a big one peso. And so I had that one peso, and I was ready to buy my junk food. I went to the store. There was nobody at the store. That's the worst thing, you know, for a five-year-old. I'm so hungry. I want that food. I can see it. I can reach it. And so I did the next best thing. I went through the window of the store, got my junk food, and left the money, all right? I wasn't stealing, come on. I wasn't stealing. See, before they, they started those, uh, those shops where it's like, you know, honor basis, give what you want, or here's the amount of money, just leave it, and there's no shops. Or they didn't have that in a Bible school. So you know what? I decided I'm just gonna leave it. And on my way out the same window, the dean of men came walking by. And quickly caught my attention. Mike, what are you doing? Long story short, uh, got my lesson that um, that kind of thing is not permitted. There are things that are just not allowed. But I didn't steal. I paid. So <laughs> no amount of reasoning could get me out of that trouble. The dean of men ended up telling my parents. My parents were so gracious. They understood my innocence in all of these things, so I wasn't punished for that. Uh, but I learned that you couldn't do that. That kind of activity wasn't acceptable. There are other things that you know, I'd end up doing as a small kid, and I'm sure you have your own stories of what those things were when you were small. But one of the things I didn't like when I was small is that when, when my friends came together and it was time to play, and they would start to pick team members, right? So it's always two teams, and they'll start calling. Guess who's going to get called first? The biggest, the fastest, the strongest. 
And if you were the small one, you're usually the last one to get called, right? right? You're the last one to get called. And sometimes they won't even call you because you're too little, you're too small, you're too insignificant. You're not strong enough, you're not big enough, you're not fast enough. And so they have to say, you know what? You can be sub, you're a substitute. So you have to sit back there and just come in when somebody gets injured. That's when you get to play. And unfortunately, that didn't happen too many times, right? People would play on at the end of the day. It's like, man, I haven't even played anything because I'm too small. So if you're one of those people, when you were small, you were little, you probably felt a bit miserable and you were telling yourself, I can't wait until I get big. Yeah? I can't wait until I get old enough, big enough, fast enough, strong enough. Then maybe then they'll start noticing they'll start including me in what they are doing. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes we carry that mentality even when we are already old, even when we're already big, because then we find other reasons or excuses why certain things are not happening to us, why we are missing out on certain activities. How come other people get it better and I don't? Why do I keep missing out and we begin to compare ourselves with others. But you know, one of the ways to find fulfillment in life is knowing who you are, bringing focus on what you're doing, therefore being fulfilled in all of life. How many of us want to live that way? I want to live that way. I don't want to live that way feeling that, you know, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning, man, it's going to be another day of comparison. I'm always going to know somebody's going to be better. Somebody's always going to be smarter, richer, more better looking. Maybe not with Pastor Sam, but you know, all of these things like, man, how's it going to be? And that's a miserable way to live. And unfortunately, a lot of people in the world today continue to live that way. Today, we're going to start a new series called The Small Things That Matter. The Small Things That Matter. Because sometimes there are small things, if we do not pay attention, if we ignore them, can turn into big things. There are small things sometimes we say, you know what, that's too insignificant. We miss out and we realize, oh man, that actually was meaningful. That actually meant something. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some of these things. The title for today's message is significant. Significant. If I'm speaking too fast, feel free to wait, raise your hand and wave at me. And I promise to slow down. And when I get excited about something, I have a tendency to speak a little fast. So the big idea for today is knowing who you are brings focus and fulfillment. Do you know who you are? Yes, I do. I've got an ID right here. It says on my ID, my name, where I live, what my blood type is like. We were talking about blood types last night, right? And you find out where you live and all of those details. Okay, great. But who are you really? The way that your creator sees you, do you know who you are as God sees you? Let's go to Proverbs today. If you're one of those people who like posting quotes from scripture, you should go to Proverbs because it's not a narrative, right? These are quotables 
Very short, very brief. You do not have to read the entire chapter to get an idea on how to live effective lives. It's also known as the book of wisdom. And in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 24 to 28, the writer says, four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. They're extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up food in the summer. Number one. Number two, hyraxes. Do you know what hyraxes are? I had to Google this because I don't know what hyraxes are. We don't have hyraxes in the Philippines. A hyrax is a mammal, a very small mammal, that looks like a mouse. Anybody here like mouse? My wife doesn't like any form of mouse. So a hyrax is a type of, it looks like a mouse, but it's bigger than a mouse. It's about 70 centimeters long. It lives in the Middle East. It lives in Northern Africa, in dry and arid lands. And usually you find it between rocks. That's what a hyrax is. Now we know, now I know. Hyraxes are creatures of little power. They're not very strong. Yet they make their home in the crogs or in between rocks. Number three, locusts. Locusts have no king. Yet they advance together in ranks. If you're a farmer, right, obviously here in the Middle East, that was something that they had to deal with every now and then. Sometimes there would be a locust infestation. Even though there's nobody leading the locust, they can easily eat all the crops in one swoop. Remember the 10 plagues that went through Egypt? Locusts. So locusts, they don't have a leader. Man, but they can, they can accomplish great things together. And finally, number four, a lizard can be caught with one hand. Have you tried trying to catch a lizard? When I was younger, when I was small, I tried to catch a lizard. I was about to catch a lizard but all of a sudden, it separated the tail and the body. And I got confused. Do I catch the tail? Do I catch the body? And I didn't end up catching the lizard at all. Because who wants to touch a wiggly tail with no body? That was just freakish. If you've never seen that, it's pretty amazing. It's a lizard superpower. When a predator comes, they have the ability to detach their tail and run away. It says here, a lizard can be caught with the hand, just one hand. Yet, it is found in king's palaces. It's in king's palaces. I mean, these are small and seemingly insignificant. Everybody say insignificant. Small and insignificant creatures. And yet, the wise man of Proverbs says, look at what they can do. Look at what they can do. They can do pretty amazing things things even though they are small. If we do not know who we are, what we were created for, it's going to be so hard to live life with clarity, focus, and fulfillment. We're always going to be waking up and wondering as we're going through the day, as we're going through the week, as we go back to schools for the students that are about to restart. We don't know who we are, our identity. And we're going to wonder, what is the purpose of all of that I am doing? So it's important to find out 
Why am I here for? It's important to find out who ultimately determines who I am. Is it my birth certificate? Is it the family that I was born into? Is it my nationality, my ethnicity? Is it my social status? Born into a rich family, a wealthy family, born into a poor family, born as a Christian, a non-Christian, religious, irreligious, male, female. What ultimately determines who I am? And as Christians, for us, our ultimate determinator, the one who determines who we are, is God. Is God. He's the one that determines. He's the one that we go back to. And so here, a couple of things we're going to learn. In fact, I wrote down three things, three observations. Just from this Proverbs that enables to find out how do we actually go about bringing focus to our life, clarity to our life, so that we can find fulfillment. Because you find the ants, the hyrax, the locusts, and the lizard not having any existential crisis, right? What's an existential crisis? That, that's a word you hear in the philosophy class, you remember? It's like you ask yourself, why am I here for? We don't find that here. We don't read that anywhere, right? There has never been a documentary done where they zoom into the ant and you see the ant sitting on a chair, not working and asking himself, I wonder why I'm here for. I wonder what my purpose is. We don't find that. There's no documentary that studies these insects with those kinds of questions. So a couple of things, a couple of observations. Number one, being different is okay. Being different is okay. It's okay to be different. Look at the person beside you. Do they look like you? Do they smell like you? Do they speak like you? <laughs> I mean, we may have similar interests on Monday. It was my first time to meet. Did you know that our youth pastor has an identical twin? He has an identical twin. Pastor Jabez has a twin brother named Clint. But when I saw him, I, like, I see similarities. And, you know, if they have their backs turned, definitely. If they have their masks on, so much more. Both of them like to dance. And both of them are in the ministry as well but one kind of put a bit more weight than the other. So you can tell a difference. <laughs> but I'm sure when they were growing up, it's like, you know, who's who? But even if you're identical twins, you're still two different personalities. You're two different personalities. You're not exactly the same. Physically, you might look the same, but you're not. Being different is okay. It's okay to be different. Small does not mean insignificant. Small is just different from medium, big, large, extra large, triple XL. All right? I'm not looking at anyone. So that's, that's just a reality. It's just different. And different is okay. Come on, say it with me. It's okay to be different. In fact, in the Old Testament, it says, you are a peculiar people. God talking about the people of Israel. You're different. You're different. And sometimes people strive to be the same, but God said, no, 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 I created you different. You're supposed to be different. That's how you're supposed to look. That's supposed to be your personality. And we find here among these little creatures, the ant wasn't saying, I wish I was a lizard. 
The lizard wasn't saying, I wish I could fly like the locust. No, we don't see that issue here. Because in Proverbs, the writer is showing to us that it's okay to be different. Number two, another observation, God created us on purpose for a purpose. God created us on purpose for a purpose. There is no accident. Come on. Right? Tender person behind you and tell them you are not an accident. You are not an accident. No, 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 no. My parents said I'm an accident. I wasn't planned. <laughs> I wasn't planned. I was an accident. You're not an accident. You're not an accident. God created you on purpose. God willed you to be here. How you came here may be different from everybody else. Maybe how you came here was, you know, somebody, you were born into a nuclear family, meaning that your mother and father were present when you were born. Some of you, when you were born, you only had a single parent when you were born. Some of you, when you were born, you didn't even know your biological parents because you were adopted. Extended family raised you and up to now you don't know who you are. And you're thinking, man, am I an accident? Am I really supposed to be here? The truth is, yes, you are. Why? Because God is the author of life. He uses us. He uses science. He uses biology because that's how he's created our bodies. But he is the one that wills life. Life comes from him. He's the source of all life. And so we know that when he creates life here on earth, when life is birth, we celebrate that. The scripture says that life is a gift because God willed that life to exist. No matter how that life came to this earth, it was God's will for that person to be alive. And if that's you in this room today, you need to know that God has a purpose for you because he willed you into the universe. He willed you on this planet. He willed you to live. So because God chose that, he purposed it, isn't it only right to find out what our purpose is from the one who caused us to come alive? In our Christian worldview, this is what we believe. That in the beginning, God created man and woman. He created them in his image, in his likeness, male and female. He created them. And it was perfect. God saw that it was perfect. But somewhere along the way, man started to compare himself with other things. In fact, you know what? The serpent enticed, tempted the man to compare himself with God. Don't you wish you were like God, Eve? Don't you wish you were just like God? You already were. You are created in his image, in his likeness. But Eve and Adam, man, wasn't satisfied. And he said, yes, we want some more. We want some more. We're not satisfied with how we've been created, who we are. We want some more. And they end up committing sin. They succumb to temptation. They commit sin. And from that point on, that design becomes skewed. It becomes muddled. That design gets distorted. It's from Genesis chapter 3 onwards, all of humanity no longer knows why they're here for. Because in the beginning, it was clear 
When God put man in the garden, he said, increase, multiply, rule. That's your role. That's your purpose. That's all that you have to do. And they were eternal. They could eat from the fruit of life and live forever. But they weren't satisfied just with that. They compared, they wanted more. As a result, they committed sin. So that purpose became distorted. Man that was born afterwards would be born and would have the capacity to sin, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory and would not know what to do, what their purpose is. You don't have to teach a child to do wrong. They just automatically start doing it without you teaching. And that's the evidence of sin in humanity and in our life. But thank God for His grace. Thank God for His goodness. Thank God for His mercy. Because He said, you know what? I'm not satisfied that this would remain just like this. I want to restore that original design. I want to redeem a people for my own. He creates Israel and ultimately He sends Jesus, His Son. Through Jesus' perfect sinless life, His sacrifice by dying on the cross, which was the result of sin, death and decay, was the result of sin, Jesus willingly died to pay the results and the consequences of sin. But praise God, three days later, He rises from the dead. We sang that song so beautifully. Three days later, He rises from the dead, never to die evermore. So now there is hope. It is now possible for people to put their faith in Jesus recover their identity as a son and a daughter of God and walk out, live out that identity in Jesus Christ, which leads us to the third observation. Number three, we find our significance and meaning in Jesus Christ. Our meaning and significance needs to be Attached to the one that created us, to the one who redeemed us, to the one who was able to say, you know what? You don't know what you're here for. I know what you're here for. Why? Because I created you. I was there with a father even before all of creation. And we thought of you. We gave life to you. We need to find our significance and meaning in Jesus today. The ants the hyrax, the locust, the lizard. They did not find their significance in the opinion of others. They did not find their significance in comparing themselves to others. They didn't even find their significance in what they were doing. They were just doing what they were created to do. And as they did that, we see how God continued to cause them to be part of our ecosystem, to contribute to the development of the world that we see, even though they are small and seemingly insignificant. Where do you find your significance today? Do you find it from the name that you were born with? Well, this is my name. I was born in this family, so I'm significant. Don't you know who we are? Do you find our significance in the wealth, in our possessions? Do we find our significance in what we create, what we produce, what we're able to achieve through our strength, through our ability? 
You see, all of those things are good, but only for this lifetime. In fact, they're good only for a season. Why? Because wealth fades. Strength dissipates. And eventually, even our life itself on this earth will disappear. And if that's all that we live for, then that's not much. But what if we could live forever? But what if the way God designed us is not just to live a life now, but for eternity? And the way to live forever is how we live now, impacting the life now and also eternity. In fact, that's the reason why God created us. He formed us not just to live in the present, he formed us, that part in us that is created in his image and in his likeness is the spirit and the soul that will live on forever. And that's the part a lot of times that we don't see, that we don't pay attention to, that we ignore. A lot of times we pay more close attention to, to what is seen, what is observed outside, externally. But what is unseen, somehow we neglect. The reality is whatever happens in the unseen affects what is seen in our life. If we really believe that that is what we are created for, then shouldn't we start living based on that blueprint? Based on how God designed us to be. Our worth needs to be based on how God sees us. On what Jesus says about us. Not others, not even what we think of ourselves. But what God says, who we are. If our significance is based in Jesus, we need to find our purpose in Christ. Not in what people say, oh, you're good at this, maybe you should do that. No, you were born in this family, so you should carry on what you've done in this family. No, our purpose needs to be found in Jesus. If he is the one that we're truly living for. How we use our abilities, our gifts, our opportunities in everyday life needs to find their significance in Christ alone. It is there that we will find focus. It is there that we will find clarity. It is there that we will find fulfillment, significance in the life that we are living today. Yes, even in the relationships that we have, the money that we possess, the opportunities that come our way. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we go about establishing those things? Allow me to share with you three things that will enable us to bring focus and ultimately fulfillment in life. Number one, embrace your identity in Jesus Christ. When I say, who do you think you are? Yes, that's one way of introducing yourself through your name and your birth certificate. But when we become followers of Jesus, you know what's more valuable? Our eternal birth certificate. Where the, the stamping authority is the blood of Jesus Christ. And it says, you are now a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You now belong to me. You now are the son and the daughter of the King of Kings 
and the Lord of Lords. That is our new identity. That is our eternal identity. And that should be the identity that leads us. Yes, we have our names. Yes, we have our legal passports. But more than that, our eternal identity in Christ is one that we should be embracing. Unfortunately, a lot of times we get challenged because in a sea, in a crowd of people, sometimes we lose our identity. Sometimes we're taken by the wave and the strong waves of culture and what's happening around us. If it's popular, I'm going to do it, right? I'm going to speak this way. I'm going to dress this way. I'm going to treat people this way because that's what everybody else is doing. Hold on. Is that your identity? The world has an identity and the world is heading towards destruction and disaster. But those who are in Christ are being saved daily. If your identity is in Christ, that identity will enable you to discern what to accept and what to reject. We need to embrace that identity in Christ, not in the fact that, you know what, this is my family line. No, this is the group that I belong to. This is my ethnicity. This is my wealth. And I'm just going to act and live my life based on those things. No, because when you're now in Christ, the old is gone. The new is here. Your new identity in Christ needs to determine how you live your life, how you think, even the words that leave our lips the way that we treat those around us, including our possessions and what we have. We don't need to feel lost in the crowd. You know why? Because God sees you. Come on, say that with me. God sees you. God sees me. Right? In a planet with billions of people, God sees every single one of us. He knows the numbers of our heads. He was in the innermost place when we were being created, even before we were conceived. God was there. What does that mean? That means he knows everything about us, that he wants to participate in every aspect of our life. From the moment that he chose to give us life to the moment we breathe our final breath on earth, God says, I want to be there from the beginning to the end and even in eternity because I gave life to you not just to experience abundant life here on earth but to experience eternal life with me in heaven so sometimes we just live for the now abundant life and we try to seek that abundant life for now immediate gratification temporary fulfillment of our needs but God is saying you know what there is so much more in fact I've already covered your needs. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness and every need will be met. But that's only going to happen if we know that our identity is in Jesus. Sino ka ba talaga? Para kanino ka ba namumuhay? If it's for ourselves, that's all that's going to happen. When we die on this earth, that's all we're going to take for it. Ourselves. If we live... For the praises of others, what's going to happen if they start praising us and start criticizing us? But what if we actually live for God and for Jesus? Despite of what is happening in my life, in times of persecution and difficulty, I'm for Christ. 
in times of plenty and blessing, I'm still for Christ. That means my identity is secure. That means that who I am is not based on the situation around me. It's not based on the money that I have in my pocket. It's not based on the relationship I think would satisfy my life, but in the fact that God knows me by my name. My identity is secured because he loves me and I know this. My identity is secure because I know that he has a purpose for me. Whatever is happening to me, inside of me, around me, I know that my God has a purpose and I will not, I will not compromise. I will not give in to the pressures that are surrounding me because I know who I am. Do you know who you are? It's important to know who you are. When? We embrace our identity in Jesus Christ. That is the time we begin to have focus in our lives. Number two, stop comparing yourself to others. We never see that. We never see that with the ant and, and the lizard, the hyrax, the locust. There is no comparison. And because there was no comparison, you know what they're able to do? They were able to focus on what they needed to do. Did you notice that? I mean, for all the good that social media and all of these apps has given us, right? I mean, I was reconnected with friends from long ago that I lost contact. For all the good that it has brought us, it's also brought us some strife. Because social media somehow has magnified the tendencies of some people to compare themselves with the lifestyles of others. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Sometimes we just need to stop scrolling we need to stop scrolling because sometimes the scroll forces us makes us look at our life and we say man I wish I had that life that I see on this phone you don't even know if that life is real there's so many things that are fake online and sometimes we allow ourselves to be deceived by what we see on our screens that is not even true. That's not even real. It's somebody projecting what they think they should have. Yes, there are some things that are definitely true and honest, but we should never compare ourselves. We should never compare ourselves. Why? Because comparison kills. It kills purpose. It kills dreams. It kills your identity because now you are wanting to be somebody that God never created you to be. And it's eating you up. And you're striving and you're working in your life and you're amassing wealth just so that you can look, sound, right? Gain a particular following, get the likes to look this particular way. And it's never going to happen. Why? Because that person is not you. And you are not that person. But just like these creatures who just focused on what they needed to do, the ants, you don't even think about them, but they're constantly going from one place to another, looking for food, bringing food to their home. They even enter into our houses to do that. Why? Because they have one sole purpose, gather supplies for the queen. <laughs> just bring it. So when the rains come, we are ready. We're supplied. We are prepared. We don't find them comparing. An ant doesn't stop 
and look at the sky and say, man, I wish I was like an eagle. No, because they are focused on their lane. They're focused on the track and on the path that God set for them and they're running and they're doing what they need to do. And you know what? I've never seen an unhappy ant, have you? I've never seen a joyless lizard. <laughs> they're always poking their tongue out to everything and everyone, right? It's like everything's a joke to these lizards. It seems like they're satisfied. They're not striving. They're not trying to, you know, amass wealth. You don't find lizards comparing themselves with other creatures, hyraxes and locusts. No, no, they're focused and we can learn from them. Because God says, you know what? I've created you for a divine purpose. It's something that only you can do. Nobody else is like you. Come on, tell somebody beside you, around you. There is no one like you. Nag-iisa ka lang. Walang kagaya mo. Grabe. If you're talking about the OG, you just need to look at the mirror. That's the OG right there. Right? Yan ang urig. I mean, some people may want to even try to copy you, but they cannot. Why? Because you're the real deal. So you shouldn't even try to do that with your own life. Because there's only one like you. Comparison kills. It derails us from God's direction, His purpose, and we miss out in the things that God is wanting to do in our life. And finally, number three, we need to harness the unique strengths, abilities, and gifts God has given you because they are yours. They are yours. Nobody can sing like my wife, so don't even try. There's no one. Hindi po yung Konti lang siguro. But there's no one who sings like her. Right? Nobody can do what Pastor Sam does. Nobody can do what GJ does. Nobody can do what they do. The people that you know, nobody can do what you do. Because God created you specifically for that purpose. The ability, the gifts, the talents, and yes, even the spiritual gifts, and the opportunities, the experiences that God will allow you to go through and experience are unique to you. There may be some similarities with other people. You may be able to say, yeah, I can relate to that, but that's all that you can do. You can only relate, but you cannot assume that you know exactly what that person is thinking, what they're going through, what they've experienced to become who they are because they are not you and you are not them. You know what our responsibility is? We need to stop saying, I wish I could. I wish I was like, I wish I had what you had. No, look at what you have. Our responsibility is to look at what God has gifted us with, the experiences He's brought us through, the talents He's given us, the skills that we possess, the opportunities that He is opening before us because He's saying, these are the things that I'm opening that no man can shut and I want you to walk through them. Because you're the only one that I have called, positioned even before you were born. 
to be able to do what you are doing right now and what you are yet to do. But if you are too busy looking at other people, comparing your life and saying, I wish, I wish, you will miss out on what God has already set for you to do. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? We don't want to miss out. You know, one of the things my wife, she's really the pastor in our family. You know, one of the things that she says to our kids, you don't want to miss out what God wants to do in your life. She tells our kids that. She reminds them that. So you need to keep walking with the Lord. The moment you compare, the moment you look outside of the will of God, outside his direction, is an opportunity to miss what he's asking for you to do. When we begin to compare, oh, I wish I had their promotion. Do you know what they went through <laughs> to get that promotion? Are you willing to go through the same? I wish I had their wealth. Really? You know the sleepless nights? Do you know the disasters that they had to go through and the pain that they suffered to get to that point? Do you really want that? See, a lot of times all we see is the end result and the end product and we say, that's what I want. But we don't want to go through the process. Let's run our lane. Let's stick to where God has placed us. Because he's saying, you know what? Who's the author of your faith? I am. You know who's the finisher of your faith? I am. So where should your eyes be focused on the one that has called you? That's not your spouse. That's not your children. That's not your, right? <laughs> it's not even us here. It's God. I'm the one that costs you to live. I'm the one that's going to finish this. I have the authority. Nobody else does. Everybody will have an opinion about you and your decisions and what you do. I need you to keep your eyes fixed on me. You need to obey my leading and my direction. Because when we do, just like the lizard, you see the lizard can be caught by a hand, but you find them in palaces. Ever been in a palace? I've been in the palace, but outside of it. I've seen the throne, but I only took a photo. I wasn't allowed to sit on it. You know what God says about you? You're a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who we are. You are not victims. You are victors. Things may have been done to you said to you to cause you to be hurt and that you're carrying that right now but God says because you're now in me you are now victors in Christ all those things that other people did to you and what you went through that made yourself think that you're a victim no longer is valid if you were rejected guess what Jesus said that's what they did to me but you know what I have now redeemed you by my name. Child, you are mine. If you belong to me, nobody can take you away from me. You're mine. Your identity is no longer rejected. Your identity is now redeemed. You're redeemed. You're the son of the most high God. If at one point some of us felt like, you know what, my life was being led towards the grave, to the dead. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. 
he who believes in me. We live, even though, you know what? You're afraid of death? Even though they die, they will live because of me, because of me. That's what it means to be identified with Jesus. It's living your life, not just for now, but for eternity. It's making decisions, not just for now, but for eternity. Every decision, every choice will matter. How you treat your spouse, what you do with your possessions, the opportunities that open to you, whether you accept it, you reject it, you walk in it, you go back. This will affect, yes, life now, but it has a bearing in eternity because it reveals who you are. And I pray today that you would step up and say and see yourself the way that God sees you, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has a wonderful plan for your life, not to harm you, but it's one of hope. It's one of an amazing, blazing, bright future. And he's saying, come, walk this way. Find your identity in me. Stay on the path. Develop and utilize the gifts and the opportunities that I'm giving you today because only you can accomplish this. Can we talk about David just for a minute as we end? David, before he was that great king that Israel knew, you know who he was? He was the insignificant son of Jesse. In fact, when Samuel was led to Jesse's family, God said, go to Jesse because you're about to anoint the next king of Israel. He goes there and says, Jesse, show me all of your sons. Of course, culturally, in most cultures, it's always the eldest that is most prominent. So he calls the older sons from the eldest all the way down. One by one, Samuel talks to them, sees them, tries to discern God's will, and there is nothing. God does not confirm the next king among these sons. He goes back to Jesse, the dad again, and says, Jesse, do you have any other sons? Uh, yeah. In fact, Jesse thought of David that he wasn't significant. Jesse thought that David was so insignificant, he shouldn't even be called to this meeting. You know what David was doing? He was doing what all the other brothers did not want to do. Come on, older brothers, you know what I'm talking about? Younger brothers, you can relate. Because when the, the parent says, all right, eldest son, can you do this? What does the eldest son do? They practice the art of delegation. And he gets delegated to the younger sibling, to the younger sibling, until it finally reaches David, who is the youngest. I don't want to take care of the sheep. I don't want to go there. There's nobody there. It's far away. And sometimes you have to stay there for days. It's lonely. You don't get to talk to anybody except the sheep. So David was there, insignificant, ignored, unvalued, worthless in the sight of the family. Samuel says, call him. David comes. The moment David arrives, the Holy Spirit confirms to Samuel, this is the next king. David anoints him with oil, symbolizing the presence of God the choice of God in his life. This young man who probably has no idea what's going on right now. Wait, 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 what's happening? I didn't know there was a meeting. Why didn't anybody tell me? And now he was like, hey, you're going to be the next king. 
Whoa. Whoa. Lizard. Insignificant. Small. And now about to be in the palace. If we are faithful with what God entrusts us, which David was, we never find him complaining, why do I have to take care of the sheep? Why is it me? Why is it me again? No. Instead, what did he do? He made the most of it. While he was there with the sheep, he learned to play the harp. He learned to write songs of worship and praise and poetry to God. We read about it in the book of Psalms. We sing the songs that he has written. Thousands of years later, he learned to draw closer to God, to walk in humility. And eventually he was known as a man after God's own heart. We see in in, in David's life that it's important to put God first, to find our identity in God. When we find our identity in Him, He is the one who orders our steps. See, people look for somebody who would stand up from the crowd, who would look good. They got Saul. But Saul wasn't the one that God desired for Israel. And eventually, Saul would stray away from God's purpose. David, at this time, who had started to grow into his own, was becoming famous and popular among the Israelites because he was fighting the wars and the battles for King Saul. And he was winning these battles. And people were telling him, David, come on. He's in the cave. He's trying to kill you. You better kill him first before he gets you. Multiple times, David had an opportunity to take Saul's life. But what did David do? He said, no. Not going to do this. Not going to do this. Why? Because he knew God. His heart was for the Lord. He knew what was right. He knew what was wrong. And he was following And he was allowing God to order his steps. Eventually, the time would end. Saul's reign would end. He would die a tragic death. And David would become the king of Israel. The best years of Israel would take place under David's reign and rule. But he was only placed in the palace because he allowed God to form his character when he was still a shepherd. Sometimes we look at the external and we're impressed and we compare and we say, I wish I could. But you know what? God is not impressed by what man looks at. Man looks at outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. And he says, you know what? If your heart is for me, I'm going to order your steps. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to bring you places where you never thought you would go. I'm going to open doors of opportunities that you never, never thought would come your way. I'm going to cause blessing to come on your lap, even if you were not even thinking about it. Why? Because you are following my direction. You're identifying with me. You are staying on your lane. You are being faithful with what I have entrusted to you. And because of this, we get to live the abundant life in Jesus. We get to live the eternal life when he returns again. Today you may be here and you're saying, you know what, that's what I want in my life. But your identity is not in Christ. You're still living for the dreams and the aspirations of other people, but not for God. 
you need to align yourself with Jesus. You need to say, Lord God, what is it that you want me to do? There's a general call, which is for all of us, and there's a specific call. A general call is God wants all to be saved. God wants all, once they're saved, to make disciples. But a specific call is where is he calling you to do that? Where is he wanting you to bloom, to take root, to be planted? And it's different. Iba-ibayan para sa isa sa atin. And we need to assume that identity, to be faithful with what God has entrusted to us right now, to begin to discover and to walk that path. And you know what? When you do, abundant life will flow. Fulfillment. I believe there's going to be more Christians who will be happy. Your life will be more fulfilled. You'll be more joy-filled. Why? Because you're not comparing. You're staying on your lane and you're saying, yeah, this is good. This is good. I'm being the best that I can be where I am. You're like a fish in the water. Why? Because a fish is meant to swim in the sea. The moment you take the fish out, it will try to swim, but it can't go anywhere because this is not the sea. The moment you put it back in the sea, man, it just goes places. You try to put man in the sea, just like the fish, what's going to happen? You're going to drown. You're going to try to get up and get air. Why? Because that's not how God created us. But when we begin to function the way that God created us to be, His gifts, His talents, opportunities, not comparing, not looking to the left or to the right, by staying anchored on Jesus. It is there that we find focus. It is there that we find fulfillment, significance, both now and in the life to come. We pray that you are encouraged by this message. For more information about ICS Church, please visit us online at ics.church or like us on facebook.com slash ICS Church.